Real Investment Show. Coast morning. It's Thursday, which means we get to hang out with Michael Leibowitz this morning, uh, you know, live from his bunker up in Maryland. So whether you like it or not, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so just uh, real quick here um, at the beginning of the show, I just went through a lot of charts out this morning um, on in the inflation number yesterday. Lots of concerns about that big spike. You know, a lot of this area, a lot of the inflation, as I was discussing, is actually coming in areas, not surprisingly, um, when you throw five trillion dollars worth of stimulus in the economy and you have an economy that's going from basically shut down back to open hey guess what people are going to raise prices um, you know airlines hotels lodging food you know all those things are going up um, you know and of course big concern yesterday is this, this was a very hot inflationary number that came in yesterday but right not really you know that surprising. I mean, we kind of should have. You know, economists didn't expect it to be as hot, but you know, the economists were basically never right anyway. But we really shouldn't have. You know, not been surprised by the strength in the number, considering we just gave everybody fourteen hundred dollar checks. Everybody's getting an extra four hundred bucks a month for unemployment benefits. You know, we've already talked about the fact. You know, people can't hire anybody because everybody's sitting at home collecting the four hundred dollar benefits. So it shouldn't be surprising that we're seeing inflationary pressures at this point. And plus, combine that with the fact when we do the year-over-year comparisons, you're getting a huge jump because of the deflationary numbers we had during the shutdown. I mean, uh, we were talking about airline uh, fares a second ago. And, you know, I remember back in April and May of last year, you could book a flight from Houston to New York for like 12 bucks. You know, right. and now it's back to normal fares because we're open again, right? So. You know, this really shouldn't have surprised anybody, but the market acted a bit surprised yesterday. Right, right. So one of the questions I got it, I get is, how do you know this is transitory? And look, to be honest, we don't. Like, we're just looking at data and judging it week by week, month by month, and trying to figure out what's going on because we or anyone else has never seen this. But here's, here's, here's what we really have to consider. Supply lines are broken. So the supply of all products not all products, but of many products, they just, you know, the producers can't get them out quick enough, whether it's problems at their own factories, plants, whether it's problems in procuring the commodities or goods that they need to produce their goods, or whether it's trying to get those products to market because the shipping lines and the train lines and everything else Mm -hmm. is broken, or the harbors, the ports where where the goods come into have problems, or trucking once it gets to the United States. And remember, we're a huge importer, so we're relying on the whole world to to send us their goods and and to send us their goods and commodities so supply is broken supply is not nearly what it could be at the same time demand is on steroids Mm -hmm. right so in economics 101 we learn supply and demand equals price well demand is first of all unemployment rate is still six percent but it's come down sharply from where it was Everyone is getting checks. Our tax payments were delayed another month, so they're not due till Friday, I guess, Mm -hmm. or Monday versus April. So when you go back and look at April's data, no one had to pay taxes if they didn't want to. Uh, So there's there's a lot of factors driving demand, plus just the pent up demand. Right. Everyone was locked up and now they're spending money. They're going out to dinner. They're they're going on vacations. They're booking flights, hotels. So you have this massive imbalance. 
you're going to have inflation. And look, everyone knew this was coming. I don't think anyone understands the degree to which it's coming. And it'll happen next month, too. But the question is, and the question I think that we probably spend more time on than anything right now is, is it transitory? What is transitory? Is that a month, two months, a year? Because at, at a year, it's not so transitory anymore. Right. Right. And what does that mean for markets? Because it's having that daily question of inflation and how transitory is it is wreaking havoc, not necessarily on market levels in general, but the rotation between inflationary and what's called inflationary and deflationary sectors. Yeah. You know, a couple of things, too, is, is that, you know, part of this is we've brought stuff on ourselves as well. I mean, we, we kind of set this up over the last few years because you know, we've gone to kind of this idea of, of maintaining, because we're so easy to, to manufacture and ship things overnight, and we've gotten to this kind of on-demand delivery, is that you know we've been running historically much lower levels of inventory than you know we have you know way back in the past, back in the you know early '80s and early '90s, where it took you know days and weeks to get things done. You know nowadays we do a lot more of this just-in-time delivery. We're almost just manufacturing. Right. You know that we the order hits, we manufacture it, we ship it back out the next day, and that's all fine until you do something where you shut down the entire production chain and all of a sudden all those orders that are still even when we were shut down there were still orders coming in right i mean there was still some right. activity in the economy and those things just backlogged and and so you're right now and, and the point is is that you know we'll get through this eventually right so the semiconductor shortage will eventually get resolved we'll get through the supply chain backlog and we'll get supply chains back intact in these could take a while Right. I mean, it's not going to solve it overnight and it's not going to magically wake up next week and go, oh, we got everything fixed. Guess what? You know, we're right. back. But eventually we're going to wind back up with, you know, kind of a, an interesting snapback to this, because as we start getting supply chains back online, now there's all this demand coming in. So manufacturers are going to ramp up production to produce all this stuff at just about the time that all the stimulus runs out, whether it's the $1,400 checks or the weekly unemployment benefits, and then demand's going to drop off and you're going to wind up with a supply glut, you know, later this year or, or sometime next, early next year. Right. And I would argue that we're probably close to, if not past, peak stimulus. Mm -hmm. So the point at which those funds are being used from the government, because those checks went out, what, a month and a half, two months ago? Right, right. So a lot of that has been used or is being used. Uh, a lot of people are getting new jobs, so that money's being used. But, uh, you know, we're getting very close to peak stimulus or past peak stimulus, meaning that the demand side equation is going to start easing off a little. At the same time, all these supply lines fix themselves mm -hmm. and goods are coming onto the market. And you know that, like for the lumber producers, they're trying to produce as much lumber as they can today. Because the price, you, we know what the price of lumber, you can lock in the price of lumber for six months from now or a year from now in the futures markets, right. and they are significantly lower than what they are today. So they're heavily uh, incentivized to create as much as they can today, not for tomorrow. Right. And then again, that just kind of goes back to this. And, and so, yes, I think the real point about this is that, you know, 
inflationary you know the inflation push right now is likely transient not necessarily it'll be gone next month but over the course of the next 12 months as we start getting into you know again when we start comparing next year's inflation to this month's inflation all of a sudden it's going to like oh well inflation is not nearly as high as it is so it, it, so a lot of this is these year over year effects is one thing but then the other thing is just as we get back to normal economic growth which is not going to be 4 or 5% but closer to 2% because of the debts and the deficits and you know there's been a lot of hope that you know, Biden was going to spend another couple of trillion dollars on infrastructure. That now looks like it may be somewhere around six to eight hundred billion over the course of 10 years. That's not that big of an economic impact, um, right. you know, in, in this type of stuff. So, you know, there the the support and the stimulus for the economy is going to become much less over the course of the next 12 to 18 to 24 months. And and that's going to start to show back up and not only economic growth, but lower rates of inflation. Right. And, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people, this is really interesting, they'll show technical graphs of stocks or whatever it may be, and they flip it so it's upside down. And they say, what would you do, buy or sell? Right. And it gives you a different perspective. And, you you know, if something's going down a lot and you flip it, it looks like it's going up a lot, you may <laughs> say, I'd sell that. Well, then your answer to the technical question is you'd really buy it. Right. Right. So, I think what the market's not appreciating is what we see today, if you flip it on its head, mm. we're, we're going to see that to some degree in the future. There's going to be a big deflationary headwind whipping through our economy, you know, whether it's in the third quarter or fourth quarter, it's hard to tell yet. Right. But, uh, you know, it's almost worth looking at the supply demand lines for today, how they've shifted over the last few months, because they could shift right back very quickly and very powerfully. <laughs> in a very deflationary way. It, not deflationary, but very, very low inflation. Right. So inflationary rates of zero to zero to one percent. Again, the Fed's goal is two percent. Well, and, th and that does bring up another interesting point, though, because there are certain prices that are sticky. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that, you know, there's been a lot of stimulus in the economy. So there's been a lot of demand. So people raise prices, right? Food prices have gone up. Uh, you know, other, you know, com commodity prices have gone up. And the, the interesting thing is, is that, and, and you can you can see this specifically with oil prices and with uh, specifically gasoline prices. You know, oil prices recently went back to, you know, $20 a barrel, but gasoline prices didn't go back to 58 cents where we were when a gallon, when we were, you know, previously at 28, you know, $20 a barrel, right? You know, gasoline prices remained well over a dollar or two dollars, depending on where you live. California, four dollars. But, you know, you know, gasoline prices, example is that once we kind of get the economy used to a price, we never go back below that price too much. And, right. and so now that prices are going up on certain items like food, et cetera. Well, let's talk about shrinkflation as well. It fits right into it. Procter & Gamble, you know, right now, if you go buy a, a, a roll of, of uh, paper towels, you're getting fewer sheets than you did before. Well, even if prices come back down, I suspect that Procter & Gamble isn't going to go, well, let's add those 20 sheets back. They're going, hey, if I keep those 20 sheets off, I can increase my profit margin, <laughs> you know. So, you know, I think there's going to be one of the things that we're going to be dealing with is this. a lot of these price hikes are going to be stickier. 
And at the same time, you've got, you know, lack of stimulus, you know, and, and you know, less you know, employment benefits and things like that for people to deal with. So their incomes are going to decline, but the cost of living is going to remain elevated. And that may be a problem for the economy and deflationary pressures in 2022. Right, right. And, and I, I think what's important here is, Lance, we're talking about some major forces that are affecting the economy, prices, the markets, everything. And many of these are unprecedented. And maybe when we come back, I can talk about my latest article, which just talks about how big these factors are and how we need to treat investing in markets and just predictions in general. Well, when we come back, we'll do that. We also need to talk about, well, how the Fed's going to respond to all of this as well and the markets. And we'll do that when we come back with Michael Leibowitz. Don't go away. You better do what you can. Don't want to see no brother be a macho man. You want to be tough, better do what you can, so beat it. But you want to be bad, just beat it. Beat it, beat it. No one wants to be defeated. So now you got to be strong and so You're listening to The Real Investment Show. We're going for the best on our next Candid Coffee with Richard Rosso and Danny Ratliff, Saturday, May 22nd. The best accounts to save, the best accounts to invest. Investments are one thing. The vehicles you place them in can be quite another. Which are the best for you? Learn about the best types of accounts to save for health care, retirement, and emergency reserves on our next Candid Coffee with Ratliff and Rosso, Saturday, May 22nd. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. 